to free download from Delancey Elam Church. Meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us to find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. it's rain. So with the argument settled, the husband turned to his wife and said, see, Rudolph the red knows rain. <laughs> As raindrops say, two's company, three's a cloud. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting worse. <laughs> I'm saving it for a rainy day. <laughs> so what I'm saving for a rainy day is some anoraks and a, and, and a mac and an umbrella. Uh, what do you call, one last one, what do you call a man wearing two raincoats? What's his name? No? Max. I'd call him Max. <laughs> so, what do you call a man wearing two raincoats standing in a cemetery? <laughs> Sorry? Max exactly, Max Bygrace. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's get on with this. <laughs> Readings um, uh, uh, brought me to this uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, a week or two ago. And uh, um, I'd like us to look at... And this isn't working either. I'm doing well today, aren't I? No. Yeah. That, just give a bit of background first. Um, in 1 Kings 16 verse 30 it talks about Ahab and it says that this guy, this king he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him and in verse 33 it says he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord the God of Israel than did all the kings before him and then in chapter 17 Elijah announces a drought now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will be rain there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word God was so angry and he so wanted to teach King Ahab and his wife his wife was Queen Jezebel he wanted to teach them a lesson A hundred years or so before this, uh, David's obstinate grandson, Rehoboam, had a row and and, and it all kicked off. And then the the country, which was one country, split into two. It split from Judah in the south to Israel in the north. And these, 
this is what happened there and Judah kept on more or less following God. They were quite good. They kept on the traditions, they kept on following the God of Israel. But Israel itself had some quite nasty kings until we got to Ahab who was worse than all the rest of them. And they completely departed from the ways of God. They were wayward kings. So really that's the background of what I want to look at at, at in um, uh, 1 Kings 18 here. So let's pick up that story three and a half years further on. It says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Now we haven't, as as Tim's already alluded to it, we haven't had too much rain lately. Our lawns and our commons have all gone brown. But can you imagine, three and a half years without rain or dew, what, what, what Guernsey would look like. You, you know, it must have been quite terrific or quite terrible in, in a whole country. The famine had all happened because King Ahab had married a foreign princess, Jezebel, a very, very dominant, controlling woman. She believed in witchcraft. 2 Kings 9.22 tells you that. She had brought her gods into the country and had the Lord's prophets killed. She installed the Baal and the Asherah prophets from her country. In fact, she thought so much of them that she even had them, now you can imagine it's famine, but she had them, 450 of them and the other 400, eating at her table. You read that in verse 19 of this chapter. So it's not, it's, not so much, it's not so different today in some of the countries of this world where Christianity is, is, is really tortured uh, and people are tortured for their faith in God. It, it's similar to today in, in some countries. In the previous chapter, what God had done with Elijah is he, he put him into exile. He put him into two different countries He fed him with ravens in one place and he fed him with a a woman with a a pot of um, meal that kept on going, going, going every day, every single day. So it's three and a half years that he kept Elijah in exile on one side. Ahab the king searched even in those countries for him but they couldn't find him. You read that in verse 10. Elijah was a wanted man. He had a price on his head, as we say, but he couldn't be found because God had hidden him. And I notice here in this verse 1 that he stayed there. He stayed where God had put him. He didn't move until God told him to move. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, how often do we have a word from God and say, You've got to go and do this. And, and we just steam ahead and do it. Well, I do. We steam ahead and do it. And, and we just go. And we just don't ask God when we should go. We just do it first and then think afterwards. We, we know it's God's will, but it's not God's timing. And sometimes we get it wrong. <clears throat> I was just quite, 
caught with that when and it, it kind of challenged me on, on that. Yes, it was right for God's word. And in our enthusiasm, we overstep the mark. And we get that timing wrong. And we wondered why God didn't bless what we felt was right to do. But it's because we got the timing wrong. God's reign, God's blessing didn't fall on that, whatever it was, because we got our timing wrong. We heard from him, but we failed to ask for him, him for when it was right to, to act. Then Elijah eventually meets Ahab. And we get to verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? You troubler of Israel? What a phrase to use. It's obvious that Ahab here held Elijah responsible for the drought. He blames him for it by falsely accusing him. And you read in the next verse, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. We notice here that Ahab didn't want to kill Elijah because Elijah had the key to this drought. It was him that said, you will have a drought and you'll have it until I say so, <laughs> in, in other words. Uh, and he didn't want to kill him for that. So he, he, they killed a lot of the other prophets, but he didn't want to kill him. He was the only one that could unlock this situation. As we read in chapter 17, verse 1, there will be no dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. When you think about it, I was thinking about this, there wasn't only a physical drought, but there was a spiritual drought as well. Because the prophets, um, well, they hid some, they hid a hundred in two caves, fifty in each. But they couldn't proclaim the word, they couldn't speak about God, they couldn't minister. Um, Ahab was in exile, these prophets were in a cave. There was a spiritual drought in the country as well as, as, well as the, the, the actual physical drought. I wonder what our spiritual condition is like are we spiritually hiding in a cave are we hiding ourselves away we have a testimony we have a testimony that God has changed us that's transformed us we have a, we have a testimony of Jesus coming into our lives but when we get out there into our workplace and, and, and fellas and, and women ask us what do we do the weekend do we, do we admit we've been to church and worship God are we hiding are we hiding our testimony we should always be prepared as it says in, uh, in 1 Peter to give a reason for the hope that is within us Elijah goes on to say now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount, Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver 
between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now, I don't know what Ahab and the people expected. <clears throat> Did they just expect Elijah just to come in and wave his hand and say, let it rain, and that was it. I guess they, they probably did. They just wanted the, 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 uh, the rain to stop. But Elijah had things to do for first. God had given him things to do. He'd given him a work to do. The people must be brought to repentance because if he just waved his hand or prayed and, and, and rain came, the people would have carried on in their same way. They wouldn't have stopped. They, they just would have carried on worshipping Baal. So he had to bring them to a point of repentance. And they came to look for the removal of the judgment. Now have you ever noticed how some people are quick to come to church? or they come to ask us, who are Christians, oh, can you pray for me? Say one for me. I'm in a mess. Say one for me. They, they, I have that, and I guess some of you have that as well. And, and, but they're not willing to come to Christ and ask for Christ to touch them and to, to, to forgive them. Just, they just want to, to, to have us pray for them because they think we're in touch with God. But they could be in touch with God. The commentator Matthew Henry said, Repentance is the right method. God will first prepare our heart and then cause his ear to hear. He will first turn us to him and then he will turn himself to us. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it, cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So we have here Elijah challenging the prophets to a duel or a contest. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. But Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. There was no one answered and they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah thought he was going to have some fun, so he began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought, or busy, or travelling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder, and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they, they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. 
No one paid attention. Now, just a, an aside here, this Baal, he was a Canaanite god who, they said, rode on the clouds. It was believed that he, if you trusted him, it was believed that he, would, he sent the lightning, he sent the thunder, and he sent the rain. And it was him that regulated the rain. Therefore, in a land like Palestine that's got no big major rivers, they've got the Jordan, but it's not that big, but not like Egypt that's got its Nile or um, where Iraq is now, they've got the Euphrates, they've got no big major rivers. They, they needed rain. They needed rain for their crops. It, it, it was an, an, an agricultural place. It still is today. Uh, and, and today they still need the rain, although they've got a lot of, lot of desalination plants there now to help them to, to, to water their crops. But they needed the rain. So we have here people, a, a group of people, that worshipped this, they started worshipping this God because he was the one, they said, or were told, would send the rain. And we have the 450 men here here are these worshippers of Baal. Here we see them now going frantic for quite a few hours, in fact, best part of the day. It must have been quite a noisy spectacle. It seems to me, as they stupidly caught themselves, that they were trying to offer their own blood as if it was the bull's blood. And, and if that bull's blood was not enough, Elijah teased them noticing that their worship of idols can be the most ridiculous thing. A lot of people, for some reason or other, I see when, in, in what I do in my work, I see that they come to me and they've self-harmed. Some of uh, the arms I've seen probably in the last uh, two or three years are quite horrific. Um, it's not a, not a pretty sight. It's, it's not nice to see actually. And they, they do this because they've, they've got issues and they've got problems and they think by self-harming it diverts them away from their, their, their mental thoughts and, and the issues and the problems that they have. But it's only a distraction. It's only giving them something else to think about and it's not a solution to their problems. This actually is forbidden by God in Deuteronomy 14.1. It says, You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a, a trench around it, large enough to hold two seers of, water, of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So what he does here is he rebuilds a broken altar. And he does it as a sign that he 
not as he was introducing a new religion into the country, but he was rebuilding the, the religion the, 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 that he had, that they had, the faith that they had. He wanted to rebuild their faith back to the God of Israel. He didn't put a brand new altar, he rebuilt the old one. Do we need to come back to God? Do we need to rebuild the altar that somehow has been broken down in our lives? We then see that the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones. If you think of that, that must have been some fire. The wood, the stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And as we sang last week, he is the God of miracles. Now I note that Elijah didn't say, the God that answers by rain, they needed it, they needed the rain. But it wasn't the God that answered by rain, it was the God that answered by fire. Let him be God. If we sincerely offer our hearts to God, he will by his grace kindle a holy fire in us. There's a scriptural principle here. The atonement was, made to be, was to be made by sacrifice before the judgment could be removed in mercy. The God, therefore, that has power to forgive by consuming this sin offering must needs be the God that can relieve us against the drought. So in other words, we must give ourselves to God first. If we've been a Christian for a while and we've, we, our altar has broken down a, a bit, we've got to rebuild it and we must give ourselves to God first before the fire of God will fall back on us. <clears throat> It was the same principle we saw or we see in Matthew 9. Some men brought to, to Jesus a paralysed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 6 he said, The paralysed man, to the paralysed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. So in verse 13, Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let them get away. They seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Now you might think, that's a bit harsh, killing these prophets. But this ran in their Old Testament thinking. They were used to animal blood sacrifices to atone for sin. Also, Baal worship amongst things included the sacrificing of firstborn children on their altars. Something absolutely abhorrent to God. Something he had never thought of or let alone approved of. But in order to cleanse the land, those who were committing such acts had to lose their lives. The crime of the false Baal priests enticing people away from God 
and slaughtering their firstborn children was the death penalty. Deuteronomy 13.5 will tell you that. The rain would not have come until the land had been cleansed of these priests who had been committing these atrocious acts. The rain would not have come until they had been eliminated. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Now I read that this Mount Carmel is 500 metres high or 1,600 feet, if you're still in that measurement, (laughs) to the top of Mount Carmel. And here he is, he starts praying. What I like in this verse in Zechariah is it says here, ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It's the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. So then he asks his servant to go and look at the sea. So Mount Carmel is right by the Mediterranean Sea. You just go down and there's just a few houses and a bit of a plain and then there's this Mediterranean Sea. And he goes and looks for, for, uh, to see if there, what, what there, whatever there is to see. And off he goes and then comes back and he says, just been another look. There's nothing there. Go again, says Elijah. Off the servant goes again and returns. Still nothing there. He says, go again, says Elijah. I wonder how many times the servant went to look and got fed up and said what he thought of his boss, making him do all this walking and looking at the top of a mountain. Go again, says Elijah. You're having a laugh, boss. You're taking the mickey. What's the point? I looked a few moments ago and there was nothing there. In fact, the sky is still as blue as it has been the last three and a half years. Go again, says Elijah. I'm sure... sure I would have thought by now that the boss had lost it. He might have got it right causing the fire to fall on that sacrifice, but he certainly lost it this time. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, The sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. So after three and a half years, the rain came, but only at Elijah's command. The servant had to go and look seven times. This number in the Bible is symbolic of completion or of completeness. In other words, Now that the Baal prophets had been killed, that passage of sin was completely finished. 
and, and the way was now open for the rain to start falling again. Maybe there's uh, somebody here who's a Christian and you know that there's something in your life that is not of God. It has to be put to death. It has to be got rid of. You may wonder why you're not seeing or experiencing God move in your life. You may wonder why you're not seeing God's blessing. You may wonder why you're not seeing God's rain falling on your life. There is an obstacle in the way. You know right now what that obstacle is as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Give those thoughts and that obstacle to God. Ask him to get rid of it. You want God's reign to come in your life so that you can be fruitful for him. That's why God's reigns come. It's so that we can be fruitful for him. And you, you, you need God's reign in your life. You're asking him for that. Don't be like the people before the sacrifice was made who Elijah said they wavered between two opinions. They worship God to please the prophets but they worship Baal to please Jezebel. So they wavered between these two opinions. They thought they could play on both sides of the fence and get the best world, the best of both worlds. They were indecisive. But God says, no compromise. You are either for me or you're not. It's impossible for a tennis player to play on both sides of the net. He's either got to be on one side or he's got to be on the other. As Joshua said in chapter 24, verse 15, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We may also wonder why God is blessing our Christian friend, but not us. We both have the same lifestyle, similar jobs, similar family, background, etc. But I read in Amos that it says, I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Once the rain came, the earth started to be fruitful again, and God's word was also able to be released in Jeremiah it says do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain do the skies themselves send down showers no it's you Lord our God therefore our hope is in you for you are the one who does all this so why did all this happen the dual contest the fire falling on Elijah's sacrifice and the prophets of Baal, the rain that, that was stopped from coming, and then it came. You may have noticed, I missed out a couple of verses. And those two verses are verses 36 and 37. And that gives us the answer. Because this is Elijah's prayer before it rained. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 
Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So there's two reasons here why all this happened. The first one is so these people will know that you, Lord, are God in Israel. That is why he had that duel. That is why he had that contest. It was to prove that there was a God and a true God. And secondly, and that you were turning their hearts back again. He wanted restoration. He wanted the people to be restored back to their God. Last week we heard in this room amazing testimonies of what God has been doing in individuals' lives over the past few months. What is going to convince us that there is only one true God? What is going to convince us that we need the reign of God's Holy Spirit to fall in order to draw the hearts of the people back to himself again? As I said last week, we sang, there is, he is the God of miracles. Psalm 68 verse 9 says, You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. And in James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is any happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We've already done that this morning. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Right, so let's, let's wrap all this up now. Um, firstly, I mentioned Elijah waited before God told him to go and pray for rain. Are we waiting for a promise from God? Are we still keeping hold of it? Secondly, are we wondering why we are in a spiritual desert? Is it because we're hiding the fact that we believe in God, that we have a testimony, that God has changed our lives, transformed us, that we are cleansed, that we are forgiven. Thirdly, do we know the need, do we need to rebuild the altar that somehow has been broken down? Our walk with God is not maybe as it ought to be. Fourthly, maybe there's an obstacle in the way of being able to serve God Let's get rid of it. Our walk with God is not as it ought to be. No compromising. You're either for me 
or not, says the Lord. And lastly, there is restoration. If only we submit ourselves to God. I just felt that this was a word that God gave me specifically for this morning about rain. And it's important to notice that once we've given ourselves to God, then the blessing will fall. I can remember going in, um, Sue and I went to see somebody a few years ago now, and they were uh, a young couple with, young married couple with beautiful, two beautiful children, lovely, lovely children, lovely family situation. But while we were there, the wife found out that her husband had been texting another woman in another town. And uh, this really came, all of a sudden, came out of the blue while we were there. Then we were able to start praying with them. A Christian couple this is, but they would start praying with them and and showing what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Uh, And there was tears. And uh, we've seen them since... Uh, um, and God's really just blessing their lives. They've repented from that, and God's really blessing their lives. I saw another fella, um, and he admitted to me, a Christian fella, he admitted to me that he'd been, his marriage was going through, or had been going through a rocky stage, and he started looking up pornography overnight, when his wife had gone to bed and the children were in bed. Another, another family, lovely family, uh, Christian family. And he told me back along a few months ago that he'd given that up. He'd given that pornography up. And just recently we've seen God just blessing his life, just moving powerfully upon him. None of these people actually come from our church, so you can <laughs> rest assured of that. Uh, uh, but God's just blessing his life and, and just some amazing answers to prayer and restoration of his marriage is just wonderful to see. And maybe you have an obstacle, not as dramatic as that, but maybe you have an obstacle. Uh, and just give it to God and, and put it on that sacrifice. Let the fire of God burn it out. And then you will see in weeks and months to come, the rain will fall and the crops will then start growing again and you will become fruitful for him. Thank you. Shall we pray? Father, I just thank you for the fact that you are such a loving God. Lord, that you are a a God who cares for us. You're not just the God of the first chance. You're the God of the second, the third and the fourth chance and so on. Lord, you love us so much that you, you, you want to draw us to yourself. And Lord, we don't want to make you angry by going wayward. We just want to rebuild the altars. We just want to, to, to give ourselves over to you because we want the rain of your blessing to fall on our lives. We want the rain of your blessing to fall on our lives individually. And we want the rain of your blessing to fall on our lives corporately as a church as well. We just want to see you, your, your favour on our lives. So I pray, Lord, today that, Lord, as this word has has gone out, that you will speak into our lives, that we will put our lives so right with you. Lord, that we will just see your favour and your blessing and your anointing 
flooding us with the power of your Holy Spirit in months and weeks and months to come. Lord, I ask this in your name. Please visit our website at lunchandleader.com.